musician, music educator, director for the Albuquerque Concert Band, and the Albuquerque Jazz Orchestra. John Sanks has been a mentor for many colleagues over the years. Next on OTP. Welcome to the podium, John. How you doing? Just fine. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and, and chat with us this morning. We do appreciate it. I want to start right at the beginning. First of all, did your parents play uh, any instruments? Yes, my mom played uh, piano and violin and viola. Um, her grandmother was my, or her mother was my piano teacher. Oh. And her mother and father and aunt were three people that helped start the San Francisco Conservatory. Oh, wow. Which, uh, so we go back a ways there and but my dad didn't have a musical bone in him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but interesting story for him, I'll talk about later. He started playing music later in life. Oh, okay. But uh, yes, okay. They, they played all the time. My mom played in a quartet and uh, accompanied people and was a music teacher at the college level. So right away, they knew the importance of the arts and music and so forth. Yes, um, very wisely, I might say. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so take us into uh, how did you develop and start playing your instrument? Um, my sister and I both started on piano when we were probably around six mm -hmm. and um, took lessons from our grandmother. And... Um, my mom wisely said, I don't want to teach you. It's hard enough being your, your mother. Um, <laughs> and she was right. <laughs> and um, so uh, um, my sister started on cello after the piano, and I went to violin. I played violin for a year, and my mom came and took it away and said, I, I can't deal with this. You're not playing this. So I wasn't very good, obviously. Uh -huh. um, okay. So I took a little time off, and somehow trombone came up, and I don't really know how, and they got me a trombone and took me down to the local music store and started me on private lessons. There you go. There you go. And that was in, like, fifth grade or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And obviously you liked it. It, it hit a nerve. Yeah. It yeah. fit pretty well. Uh -huh. Did you entertain any other instrument before you settled on trombone besides the no. violin? No. It was just piano and trombone. I uh, In junior high, I played uh, bassoon for part of a year, um, picking up something new. But uh, this one lady and I started at the same time, and she progressed rather quickly, and I did not. And <laughs> she became the principal bassoon in the Rochester Philharmonic. Holy cow. And she now teaches bassoon at North Texas State. Wow. And I went, okay, I'm going to go back to trombone. I cannot <laughs> keep up. <laughs> so. so you moved on to high school. 
And uh, what were your plans in there? How did you do in high school on trombone? Well, I did just fine. I um, was in a very good band in Montana. Mm. Um, our high school was one of the best ones in the state. Mm. Um, I was first chair my um, junior and senior year. It was only three-year high school at the that point um and played in jazz band played in orchestra we had orchestra twice a week and mm. then had band five days a week wow that's great and it really started uh planting the seeds for you musically as i had very on. good teachers um yeah. my middle school and high school teachers band directors were just great. I had decided in the eighth grade that I wanted to be a band director. Wow. See, now that was my next question. I mean, you in high school actually made that conscious decision. Yeah, even before high school and kept it all through high school. Uh -huh. Then um, kind of wanted to play after I got to be a little bit better and started seeing some options for playing. Right, right. And did you have, because when you said that, you stirred a thought in my mind. When I got to college, there was you know, there were the students that were going on the performance track and then the education track. And I, I knew I wanted to teach music so did you have any um feeling to just go performance only or you just really wanted to go strictly education i mean they um, hand, hand it in. i really didn't know about any performance avenue uh, um montana state university at the time um only had an education degree i see they did not have a performance degree and I didn't really know any different because I played in the the top orchestra. I played in the top jazz band. I played in the top band. I played in all the best right. groups and brass quintet and trombone choir. And, oh, I see. and so I really didn't know any difference. Right, right. There was no distinction between the two. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I heard that you went into some music camps. Talk a little bit about your experiences there. Well, it was just all fun. Um, <laughs> meeting neat people all over the place from around the state, around the, you know, different states. Mm -hmm. um, we would go, I would go up to Missoula, Montana every summer for three weeks. Um, I would play in the music camp in Bozeman that was a week long. Um, mm. If there was a jazz camp, I'd go to a jazz camp. And wow. um, we we played all day long. I knew the instructors at the university. And it was just a great experience to meet everybody and have fun making music. Sure, absolutely. And... Somehow or another, you start moving toward the International Peace Garden Band. T tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, it's a it's a band that uh, and choir and orchestra that toured Europe every summer. 
and they would meet at the International Peace Gardens camp, which is right at uh, uh, North Dakota and the Canada border. Mm -hmm. And you'd rehearse for like two, three, four days, and then you would go for two weeks to Europe. And you paid to go very much like what uh, New Mexico had in the Voyagers uh, oh, European trips. Mm -hmm. um, but I, one of the uh, one of the people that were was involved with the International Peace Gardens was one of the judges at the state solo and ensemble festival. Okay. Um, which in Montana we had district, and if you got a superior, you got to go on to state. And then uh, they would hire different judges, and um, so I played for him, and he offered me a scholarship to go on the band and play. Cool. And I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Let me get you to put your uh, music educator hat on now. Um, you graduate, and what was your career going into starting to f follow into the music director positions? Where did you start teaching first? Um, well, my first job was in Montana, uh, Three Forks, Montana, um, population 1500. <laughs> I taught K, K through 12 music in one building. Um, and that was my start after all the other things I did. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. So that came after the army and and being on the road. Right. Now, okay, I want to go back to the army because you have a very interesting um, story there about you going into the army, but you didn't get drafted. And I'm a firm believer in fate, you know, <laughs> and talk a little bit about that, uh, that part. Well, my... Draft number uh, my senior year in high school was 10. And <laughs> this was uh, um, towards the end of the Vietnam War. And I figured at 10, I was certainly going to be called up. Right. So I decided uh, the old opinion of three years of doing something I would like to do is better than two years of doing something <laughs> I didn't like. Right. So I decided to audition for uh, a band position in the Army. Right. And I went to Fort Lewis, and I got to Fort Lewis. They said, fine. Um, so apparently I waited too long to enlist, which they didn't tell me. And so <laughs> when, I, when I went to leave, they told me I was three years Army unassigned. I said, no, 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 I'm three years Army band. Oh, no, you're unassigned. And I said, I'm not, I'm not going. <laughs> um, I didn't sign up three years to just do whatever. Right. So they got it all figured out, and they, they put me um, three years uh, band unassigned. So that meant I wasn't going to get Fort Lewis, <laughs> which worked out in my favor because I went to the School of Music after ba basic training mm -hmm. in Norfolk, Virginia, and 
at that time it was like a four or five month school right. and um the continental army band was a special band and they were right across the bay and they needed a trombone player and auditions were held so i auditioned and i won the audition and so they took me out of the school like two months three months early because they wanted me to come over now and if you got won the audition for a special band they just took you out of the school and so i played in the continental army band for um three years right right and and a big part of that was that your number never would have gotten called is that correct <laughs> yeah i ran into a friend of mine that had the same number we were born on the same day and when i went home on christmas leave i said hey so what are you doing I said i'm going to college <laughs> well what do you mean you're going to college didn't you get drafted I said you know they didn't draft this year they'd stopped it <laughs> Oh, hey. you know, but fate, you know, you, you were supposed to go where you were supposed to go and be needed. It, it was actually the best thing that could have happened anyways, because I was an out of control uh, teenager. <laughs> yeah. And I grew up a lot in the three years in the army. Yeah, you needed some discipline there or something. Much. Yeah. Like all of us do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to the uh, education area there. Um, you started teaching, got your chops, so to speak, with the elementary school and coming through there. And where did you head after that? Well, um, that's when I, uh, my a friend, our friend, Ken Erickson, he uh -huh. called me up. I was teaching in Montana and he just called up and said, hey, you know, there's a high school down here in Albuquerque. <laughs> well, shoot, I, so I, I drove down there for an interview and right. I got kind of uh, impressed just in the fact by the size because after being in Montana most of my life and stuff, uh, um, the high school, Real Grant at the time, was bigger than the town I was teaching in. <laughs> um, and they had, you know, marching competitions. There was, you know, eight, nine mm -hmm. high schools at the time. And right. it was, seemed, and there was probably more chances to play. Right. Yeah. Than where I was at. So that was also another factor. So right. I took a job in Albuquerque. There you go. And where did you go from Rio Grande? Talk a little bit about your schools there. Well, Rio Grande and taught at Polk also. Oh, I didn't um, know you were at Polk. Yeah, I did uh, choir and ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, and then um, I got a chance to take over Highland, mm -hmm. and um, which was a much better situation. Um, I didn't have to teach in any of the middle schools. I had an assistant mm -hmm. um, for two periods a day and I didn't have to do any extra classes or lunch duty like I did at Rio Grande. All right. So I got to spend more time just being a band director. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And how long did you stay at Highland? Well, I was there for six years, and then I went to Santa Fe for a year, and then I went back to uh, Highland for a year. So seven years total, and that was just a, a great, a great gig, um, yeah. a great job, and I loved it. And probably my best years of teaching ever were those years at Highland. Wow, um, cool. It affected more people and made more mm -hmm. of an impression on more people because Highland was just a school that wasn't used to, uh, you know, having great things happen. They had a good football right. team and right. they had the best, um, oh shoot, they were like the best in the state on the, uh, Oh, and a government type of thing. Then um, uh, that was pretty much all they were known for. Yeah, they were hungry. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, and they yeah, were proud right. of their accomplishments. Yeah, yeah. Then where did you go after that? After well, I, that's, I wasn't going to leave Highland, but then I found out that my principal was retiring, mm. and um, I knew who was taking over. And they wanted to go to a four by four block. And oh, yeah. <laughs> we had already said we didn't want to do that. And she was bound and determined to do it. Mm -hmm. So on the very last day of accepting uh, applications, I got mine into El Dorado, okay. which Kent wanted me to be at El Dorado because that was the pure feeder for El Dorado. Right. So um, I, it was a, a good choice, even though I didn't want to leave Highland, it was a good choice mm -hmm. to go to El Dorado. Then right. I was there for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Loved it, huh? T tell a little bit about your experience there. Well, the big thing with El Dorado was I was, I accomplished more. Uh -huh. um, you know, there were, you know, more accolades all the way through, um, bigger program. I mean, at one point, you know, I had three concert bands and four jazz bands going. Wow. Yeah. And that wasn't going to happen at Highland, but yeah. the, the differences, as much as I loved El Dorado and accomplished so much to be proud of and stuff, the school itself was just um, one of those schools that was upper middle class and they just expected to be good all the time. They were good. They were good in football, basketball, volleyball, track, band, right. choir, everything. Yeah. You know, right. so it was more expected that you will be good, and right. they were. Yeah. But a much different atmosphere than the yeah. Highland. That when they did well, they were just yeah. so proud of every little thing they did. Yeah, they ate it up. Yeah. yeah. Now you've been um, uh, playing in uh, the AJO Albuquerque Jazz uh, Orchestra, and uh, talk uh, about your experience getting into there. And and well, you like got it, got into that because uh, I knew Kent Erickson and Pancho Romero so well, and right. Pancho was the one that started the Albuquerque Jazz Orchestra. Right. And um, I moved to town and I just 
you know. I got to sub on there, and pretty soon I was just playing, you know, all the time with them. And it was just a kickspin where guys just got together to have fun, which is basically a little bit like what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of great people playing a lot of fun music. And right. um, Pancho moved to Las Cruces. Right. And the band was kind of getting ready to fold. And we had a <laughs> meeting with a bunch of players and, you know, I finally just said, well, I'll, I'll just take it. I'll take right. it over and we'll try to keep it going. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got in charge of running it so right. that it wouldn't go away. Right. And I think I did it for 17 or 18 years. Yeah. And then uh, Bobby Shue took it over for a couple years. Oh, yeah. And then Glenn Coster took it over after that, and he mm. is not the music director and in charge of AJO, and he's been doing it for, boy, what, yeah. 15 years maybe, mm. 12 to yeah. 15? Wow, yeah. And it's it's gone up. Right. Um, the band plays well, and now we're playing the first Tuesday of every month right. at the, the Dirty Bourbon. Right, which is a right. lot of fun. So, yeah, um, it's a, it's yeah. just a lot of fun. <laughs> that's great, great history. Uh, that's a great story there. And then uh, also, you've been involved with the um, Albuquerque Concert Band. Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. Well, that one's really fun. Um, yeah. There's a there's a difference, like for me, with concert band versus jazz band. I mean, that's a, you, you sit and play with a bunch of guys and make music. Mm -hmm. But when when you're directing like a concert band, it's <laughs> it's like you're actually performing with all the players. Right. And it, it's a joint venture with, you know, what? We have about 80 people in the band, so we're right. all working together and just in a different capacity. And it's... Right. Sometimes it's a little more special because, as you know, you're a director. Uh, the bond you have with your band, with the stick and the podium, right. yeah. making music right. is different than not having anybody in front yeah. of you yeah. and playing together. You still make right. music, but there's sure. to me, there's just something special about conducting and being a part of that whole process Absolutely. during the performance. So, I'm glad... I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's. I always feel like I'm in a, you know, ocean of music. I'm swimming in the music on the podium, and uh, I had a buddy of mine when I was working a piece and at the concert, and he asked, "Well, so I saw some of the people watching you." And then some people were not watching you. <laughs> and I told them, well, that's probably the case. But this, yeah. <laughs> but it, he said, you know, how does that work? And I said, well, you know, they know they got the music and blah, blah, blah. But it is like that you have that music around your body and it's engulfing you. You're in, in just entrenched in with the music of the players. Exactly. And, and the fact that, you know, you can be going along and then you're putting in a retardando or an accelerando <laughs> or something and all the players, you know, kind of 
follow you and you're making this expressive statement all together right. without saying yeah. anything. And, and, and that's, that is the, I believe I, I call it the minor miracle of music that here we are with this inanimate object minus lyrics. I mean, if you have a person that's singing, they have that addition of lyrics that brings out the emotions, you know, but here we are with this, you know, you could have a hammer. If you can make a hammer play you know, <laughs> a song, you have this inanimate object, whether it's trombone, sax, or what have you, but it brings out emotions. I want to ask you about that connection with the with the audience as you're playing talk about to the listeners uh, uh, about your experience when you're playing in front of an audience and you can tell that audience is feeling what you're doing um well i'll tell you i guess the in jazz band it's different i mean because like you'll have a soloist and you know, people are involved when they clap after the solo or cheer after a solo, and you know it's uh, and or you see their head bopping or you see them clicking their fingers and stuff. You know that right. all right, we're we're affecting them. In concert <laughs> bands, it's a little different because you don't get people clapping after a solo during the piece and stuff. But right. I think one of the neatest things that um, you can tell when the audience is involved and when you've affected them emotionally mm -hmm. is when you're, you play a slow piece and you come to an end and it has a soft ending. Mm. And I always tell the band that we get to the end, I'm cut you off and nobody move. <laughs> Freeze. We just stop. And I said, it's going to feel like it's in eternity right. <laughs> until somebody starts clapping. It'll just feel it's an awesome. And you'll actually start smiling going, oh, my God. <laughs> and it is right. one that that describes the emotion part um, mm -hmm. that you can get doing a fast piece or whatever. But that describes it when you stop and you just sit there and they're. You can hear a pin drop right. no matter how many people are in the audience. Right. And you just sit there and it's just silence, silence, silence. Yeah. People in the band, I look at them and they start <laughs> smiling. <laughs> oh, yeah, we see what you mean. We really nailed them. And then yeah. you, put the you put the stick down and then the applause happens. Right, right, exactly. And and going back to the the schools, you know, when you're working with – young players, whether it be middle school or, or junior high, getting them to uh, buy into and sell that on the, on the stage and to uh, and, and understand what you're talking about. That's the great thing about the educational part of it all. Sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. Now, I got a, I got a clip here. 
um, for the listeners, uh, we're just sort of bringing this into the show and trying to get it edited up. So maybe you can take a, a listen to this, John. Uh, we are talking to John Sanks, uh, director uh, with the Albuquerque Concert Band, trombone player, musician, mentor, a whole bunch of things here in Albuquerque and around the country. So can you set this up a little bit? I'm going to play it a little bit first, and then we'll bring the volume down. Now, this is the Albuquerque Concert Band, correct, John? Yes. Uh, holiday music? Yeah. And that's you on trombone, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. So um, tell us a little, when, when was that played and where was it? Oh, you would ask me that. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, shoot. Uh, you know, since I've been retired, I've lost track of time. Uh, I'm uh, with you. I know the feeling. <laughs> I think it had to have been around 2000-ish. And 2010 or 11. Oh, okay. A while back then. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we... Um, Toward the end of our our uh, podcast here, we we always talk to our guests about for those that ha are listening, the listeners that have stopped playing. One of the things we've seen in in going through these conversations are a lot of players and go through high school, go through even college. They put their horn down. Life gets in the way, and. Then at some point or another, even in some cases, their mother and dad have sold their instrument, or, and, uh, but they feel the need they should get back. Talk to the listeners about why you can be a lifelong player. Well, uh, first of all, it's just enjoying music, period, whether you're a listener or a player. Um, but a, a lot of like people that go to college, they'll play through college and stuff, and they love playing, but it's really hard to make a living as a, <laughs> a player and a musician. It's a difficult profession. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people, so they find different professions, and then they have families, and they get very busy, and they start getting a little older, and they're going, you know, I really enjoyed playing my instrument, and Boy, the friends and people that I knew in high school and college band and stuff, well, they were just the best people, and we had so much fun. Right. And they start picking up their instruments again. And I always found that 
playing music, I, like our band meets uh, two hours every week. Mm -hmm. And people don't miss. I mean, we we only take four Mondays a year off right. from rehearsing. And people look forward to that Monday all the time, picking up their instrument. <laughs> and it's like you come in and I always told even my students in high school, I said, you got some problems? This is a place where you... right. Don't think about your problems. You get down, you start making music for a couple hours and forget any of your problems right. and just enjoy making music. And I think that still is um, that still is something that I would say today is it's a good way to forget anything that's going on that you don't that's bothering right. you. Right. Um, they love playing. It's a great outing. They make new friends again mm -hmm. um, and and even pick up some old friends that they had before. <laughs> right. um, it is something very special that uh, you can play forever. I mean, our we've had players in our band that are in their mid-80s or late-80s, and they're still picking up an instrument and making music every every week. Right. Right. And I think that's special. You cannot, you really can't do that in <laughs> football and stuff. Mm -hmm. Although Ted Rush is in his 90s and he's still <laughs> managing a softball team. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. He's an exception to the rule. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But he doesn't play anymore. Right. He just manages. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can you can do the and you can listen, you know. If the fingers and the uh, the chops aren't there, you can still listen, and that's a major part of our playing. So, well, and not only that, but you know they have different levels of band. I mean, as, as you mm -hmm. know, um, the band that uh, you're working with, mm -hmm. I mean, that was designed for right. people in there that have retired that maybe never mm -hmm. played an instrument and want to pick one up. I mean, right. I think that's how that group got yep. started, isn't it? Right. New Horizon Band out of Rochester, right? Yeah. yeah. And and now it's just, you know, it's gone up where other people mm -hmm. can play. They don't want to be too serious about playing. You know, I right. know some of the players you have in your group mm -hmm. are very good players. Uh -huh. And enjoy just getting together and making music. Absolutely. And, you know, you have these different levels of band. It's right. just in Albuquerque, there's four concert bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right. um, people can find their own niche of how much they want to play and right. how difficult the music yeah. they want to play. Absolutely. And it's all about the music, you know, just enjoying it, the whole feeling of it all. Yeah. yeah. Hey, John, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and the extra effort you <laughs> behind the scenes. You did a lot just to uh, make this uh, podcast and this interview work. So, <laughs> so, <did you. laughs> so I do appreciate it so much. And also, you know, uh, you're a staple for the, the, uh, the city and the music community here in Albuquerque, man. And uh, 
we all thank you. You know, we've we've been blessed here in Albuquerque. We've got the the Sanks, we've got the the Van Dykes, the Delgados, the Dalby's, the Ericsons, the uh, uh, the Lipka. All of these wonderful people, um, Dale Kempta, that are, are here and gone. We just lost uh, Nick Lucchetti uh, a couple of weeks ago. God bless him. And uh, we just want to thank you, John, so much for all you've done. And we want to thank – go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, along that line, since you brought that up, yeah, I just want to just make – I still uh, um, work with the El Dorado marching band – for the last uh, 10 years I've been on staff there um, and still teaching, but looking what I've seen around town, around Albuquerque, or even around the state, mm. we have a great bunch of young music educators out there. Um, Thank you. The ones that I know the best are, are here in Albuquerque mm. and the, the care they put into the, the students, the care they put into the programs, and the quality of education that they're giving. I I honestly, I can't remember. And the thing I'm very impressed with, they're all really into their jobs. They love teaching right. music. And they're yeah. all friends. Yeah. They're all friends. Yeah. They get together on the side. I mean, and... I get yeah. to go do some stuff with them from right. time to little get-togethers and parties and stuff like that. And right. these, there's a close-knit group of band directors that are helping each other out. They are right. um, the camaraderie is great and the education is great. And I, you know, when I first moved here, I saw that and was a right. part of it. And right. then towards my retirement, yeah. it kind of we hit this low part where right. i didn't see it as well yeah but i think we're in really good hands i'm very impressed with some of the new teachers and yeah. what people are doing today absolutely i'm glad you brought that up because one other thing before we close off here with the pandemic john i, I don't know I'll, I'll speak for myself that i don't know if i had the chops the patience whatever it took to get through something like that through the pandemic and keep a program and the kids engaged, all of that. And these teachers have done that and they should be applauded. Uh, uh, the band teachers, orchestra and chorus, um, general music teachers, they're just great work. And I've seen it. I, I like you, I've been into some of the classes. Well, I, I'd even take it a step further. Teachers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teachers were put through the mill through the COVID. <laughs> Preaching, having everything thrown on their backs, like, well, now you need to do video right. teaching, and you got to do this. And they're going, yeah, I haven't been trained for this. But the right. teachers stepped up, and it was a hard time That's for cool. students and teachers. And right. they should get a lot of credit for how they came through all this. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for coming in and um, being on the podium, uh, John. We uh, do appreciate it. 
uh, uh, figuratively speaking and reality being on the podium. So uh, <laughs> we, we thank you so much. We want to thank the listeners so much for downloading the podcast and coming along on this journey of, uh, of uh, John Sank's life and a little bit about his background. We do appreciate your ears on this. You can find this podcast at uh, uh, Spotify and anywhere you uh, uh, download your podcast on your pod- podcast platform. And so, uh, again, thank you, John. We appreciate it. And uh, Thanks go for on having me. Absolutely. And go on out there and play all the right notes. You've been listening to The Podium. If you would like to be a guest on The Podium, email the show at onthepodium2 at gmail.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M-T-O-O at gmail.com.